This is Bill Munhausen with another episode of What Makes Sense. Beginning Tuesday, August 8th, first responders near the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui began fighting a brush fire driven by high winds in the aftermath of a tropical storm. Over 2,000 households lost their homes, and the cost in lives lost will probably exceed 1,000. I and many others, I'm sure, mostly ignored the Maui disaster because it's far from our Missouri home. Then within a few days, the national media turned us toward hurricanes in Florida, probably because it might affect the presidential race. My wife, however, began following those few media outlets on the Internet who began scrutinizing the situation in Maui because the aftermath is more intriguing than the actual fire. This podcast will feature personal testimonies from Hawaiians expressing their feelings and challenges and distrusts. I am a forced American. I'm not a proud American. I am forced to be American in Hawaii. You're telling us to fill out this paperwork so that you can give us the least amount of money. All I've had since day one is $700. Four out of five of us lost our homes. It was burned to the ground. We are only being told, stand in this line, sign here. What are we signing? Who is it benefiting, us or America? That's what I want to know. And I want to know when we get to go back to our home in Wainate. Maybe it's gone. We need to go back there. Are you guys going to just scrape it all away and say disaster zone? And America's going to get what they want, their satellite city? Because this was planned years ago. It's now happening. And all the poor people, the homeless, the hardworking people of the hotels, the kapuna, we lost everything. We couldn't even have our pastor come in and ask us if we need prayer in the very beginning, but Oprah could come in. Who is she? Who is she? We also don't need people like Kainashiki telling tourists, don't come to Maui. Because some of us, thousands of us, work in the hotel industry. They pay our mortgage. They give us our medical. And the medical, besides the county, is pretty good for somebody old like me. So don't go tell tourists, don't come Maui, because you're not speaking for us, the working people. You're speaking for yourself. Tourists come, we love you. We have aloha, because you're, you will be helping us, the lower people, the, the grains of sand of Maui is what we are. We're not the ones living up Waihik, up in Laniapoku. Not one of those houses burned. Puamana is still there. Lahaina Shores is still there. Everything beyond the Civic Center is there, but the homes where we were working, where we were scraping, we had less than $1,000 a month to pay for our basic needs of gas and food. We busted our ass, and this is what we get. Nobody called us. Our phones didn't work from 5 in the morning. The fire was not 10 o'clock when I went to work. The fire was still there. There was no water. Tell me if that's not coincidence. No water, no warning. And everybody talking about the satellite city before the fire. Lahaina going to be the first satellite city. Well, hey, Jeff Bezos, you got what you wanted. Oprah, you got what you wanted. And the guy who owns the night, you got what you wanted. Because all we got so far was $700 and we don't know who to call or anything. I selected this clip to start because it touches on a lot of what is going on in Maui. Lahaina was the original capital city of Hawaii, and many residents have lived there for generations. They are Hawaiians first, and only recently became Americans, and have reason to distrust mainlanders. 
They have seen how commercial development has changed the islands as seen in the high-rise condos and golf courses and wealthy investors. And there has been talk from government officials about creating a satellite city, a sort of planned community serving the rest of the island. These working people living on very valuable real estate wonder if they are being forcibly removed to make way for government's idea of progress. They are frustrated that governing officials seem out of touch with their predicament, preventing them from visiting their properties, unable to rebuild, and seeing no solutions in sight. But this isn't just a rant from a local victim. Former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, who once represented the people of Maui in the nation's capital, had these comments about the local response. I, I don't I don't know um, Mayor Biss. I, I may uh, have met him in passing, uh, but this has been one of the big failures around the aftermath of the wildfire on Maui is this total vacuum of of information from government officials to the people. And uh, in that vacuum, obviously, people have all kinds of ideas or theories or this or that. But people were left without any kind of communication from anyone in a position of authority to provide help for days and weeks. And it created massive problems. And so, you know, uh, the immediate line of response needed to come from the county and from the mayor and from their emergency response director and unfortunately, uh, they did not communicate. They're still not communicating. There's still a huge lack of transparency and therefore an increasing level of uh, distrust in any of, the, any of the levels of government that should be bending over backward to, to answer questions and to say, hey, here's, what we're go here's what's going on every single day. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we're having a hard time doing. Whatever the case may be, um, it, it has just, it, it's, it's been a major problem. Tulsi Gabbard focuses in on the lack of response from local and state government officials who weren't there in person and didn't even provide direction remotely. In the weeks following the fire, there was a strange silence from both government and the mainstream media, which led to lots of speculation about what was going on. In the following clips, you can get an idea of how poor leadership created distrust as days and weeks passed without answers. Many of the locals saw the government-approved death count of 115 casualties as a cruel and disrespectful lie. I think it's in a thousand, not hundreds. And this newscast is still watching the news, 114, 114, stuck on that number for several days? No, there's no way. There's more than that. I say between 1,000 to 2, it could be plus. We don't know because we didn't have the warning. I think it's in the thousands. They brought in like 500 body bags. The guys in the water was at least two, 300 people in the water. Come on, do the math. I mean, there's piles and piles of bodies laying all around. That's more than 100. Come on, man. So you think they're lying about it? Yes. They're not going to tell that there's like 3,000 bodies. To, to today, I haven't had any money come in. I haven't had anybody call me back. I didn't have anything... I have no idea. I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost my animals. I mean, come on, man. We're not getting anything. Till today, I still didn't get my meds. I cannot get my meds yet. My, med my medicine was all burnt in my house. My rent money was all burnt in my house. I have no money anymore, you know, because was, everything was burnt. FEMA took away all the stuff that the local people was giving out on the side of the road and said, no, okay, 
it's our we're gonna take take over yeah they took over this guys came, went down onto Lahaina with a low boy with all the water and all this stuff and they they hoarded all of that stuff they took it away from everybody why the locals was doing a killer job they opened up you know spots here there here there our small county was doing the same thing you know, they was giving out meds, they was doing all this stuff. They were, everybody was trying, the local people, everybody was just all working together. And then FEMA and all these guys come in and they kiboshed. And then they wonder why nobody believes in Red Cross and FEMA and all these guys. The people of Lahaina explain how during the blaze, Maui's government seemed like they were doing everything they could to ensure more people perished, not less. The fire hydrants ran dry. The Maui Emergency Siren and Alert System, one of the largest and most advanced in the world, was purposely not used, and the police force blocked the roads out of Lahaina. The only ones to escape the fires and survive either disobeyed law enforcement or jumped into the ocean. We found ourselves trapped on Front Street with the uh, fires coming at us. Uh, we had to make a decision to jump in the water, and at that time we did when the flames was too hot to stay in the car, and we decided to go into the ocean, and uh, at that point I met that family that had five kids and uh, I was given the, the two-year-old to hold and I had him for a, a number of hours. It was like an explosion going off everywhere, like, like a fire goddess just like throwing fireballs all over the place. The Biden administration's handling of the disaster was seen as negligent and insensitive. When initially asked about the fires, Biden told a reporter that he had, quote, no comment. And days later, he finally freed up enough federal funds to send each Lahaina household $700. Locals compared the funds they were being sent, but had still not received, with the billions that the administration is expeditiously sending to Ukraine. You guys wanted us, Hawaiian people, to be part of your state. It happened. Now what are we? Nothing. When it comes to a situation like this, where are we? In the back burner. Sending money elsewhere billions versus 700 pers per person and that's not our country that is really insane that really makes me very angry not only for me and i'm sure for everyone in the usa why can't that hundred bit 150 dollar billion come to the people in need hawaii is usa what they wanted and they got it now help us. With Lahaina homes turned to dust, locals fear that the same mainland developers and billionaires that have been eyeing their oceanfront community for decades will finally get their way and take advantage of the crisis. Things will never be the same, never. A lot of realtor agency trying to offer them money to buy their property. And that's very disappointing. They want to offer them very, lim very little money and sell it for millions. You know, it is unfair for us local here in Hawaii to deal with. We're grieving. We're here struggling. All they think is money. Ding, 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 ding. Forget about the local, how they feel, what they live, how they're going to live. That's up to them. But money is in play on this. But you know what? Locals, local people will not give up. They may think we're dumb. We're stupid. But guess what? We may act stupid or dumb. We have a brain, and watch out. Watch out, um, mainland people. I'm sorry if you are from there, I'm sorry. It's sad, uh, Hawaii people are aloha people. 
they're family orientated they help one another they open their hearts to other people all these people that is from the mainland we try to keep it open-hearted but this is the thanks we get there's a lot of fears that people have about losing their lands losing their family their, their homes even if their home didn't burn they're also afraid that this area will be rebuilt um, in the most you know corporate mini mall type fashion you can think of uh, a big massive development style that doesn't serve the needs of the locals at all uh, and there's a lot of concern around that oh boy it's gonna be a mess it's never gonna be liner again never that's gonna be the old liner and that said the old liner is really nice beautiful and heartwarming and Lahaina ain't coming back. I think the people that lost their houses ain't going to build another house. So the land is going up for sale and people from mainly going to buy it and they're going to rebuild. Because yeah, they have plenty of money, you know, and they're going to rebuild and it's going to be a freaking of, of buildings. Of course, money talks and bullshit walks, you know. Too much cement, man. To me, I don't vote. I don't vote because to me, they're all a bunch of, you know, because they say they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to do this. That's why we're at where we're at right now, because they don't, they don't do what they're going to say. Lahaina used to be called the Venice of the Pacific. It was so wet and there were so many streams flowing through it that kept the grounds moist, kept the plants juicy, and all of that's dried out because that water has been redirected to golf courses and resorts. Uh, at an even larger scale, the nearby island uh, uh, that you can see right over there uh, used to be verdant and lush and green. And that created a pocket between Maui and the next island over that would trap moist air, keep the western end of Maui uh, much wetter and more humid. Uh, from the 30s through the 80s, the U.S. Navy bombed the surface off of that island, so it's a barren rock now and it doesn't retain anything. And the moist air just keeps right on cruising. So that helped dry this area out. So you've got military involvement with the long-term impact of plantation farming that just merged straight into the resorts and the, hotel and the, the golf courses and stuff. Uh, there used to be a giant pond in the middle of Lahaina that's been drained and filled over. That was the original seat of the king. But all of, you know, that whole fish pond was drained and filled over. As far as most of the locals, like the native locals are concerned, this is basically a war crime. After a couple of hundred years of being a, either a colonial darling or a state when it's convenient, but never really to the benefit of the natives, it was always to the benefit of, of offshore interests. U.S. military personnel are currently occupying all the entrances into the burnt-down community and not allowing residents to visit their own homes. I was only able to get in by climbing a fence and barricade out of view of guards. Locals have been told by government authorities that these troops are Hawaiian, but the community doesn't entirely believe that. They think the U.S. government is specifically sending Asian, dark-skinned troops to Lahaina to keep the peace. Because if these troops were Caucasian or white, locals would get the sense that they're under occupation or siege. Cars and makeshift aid tents flew the upside-down Hawaiian flag, a symbol of a nation, not a state, in distress, commonly used by the Hawaiian sovereignty movement. Something that stood out while walking around Lahaina was the fact that there were locals sleeping on the street and sleeping on the beach, and the government was there, in Lahaina, but handling something else. The government was busy installing brand new blackout fencing miles around the entire community. 
The government says these fences are being erected in order to respect those lost in the fire, but seeing how photos of the ruins circulating online fueled criticism of the government and even questions about the true nature of the fire, these fences were a form of censorship, a type of aesthetic and visual censorship to prevent further public outrage and criticism of the government. On August 22nd, Maui County Council held a public meeting. Perhaps the most interesting speaker was this Maui elementary school teacher and activist. He pointed out how the governor of Hawaii, Josh Green, passed an emergency declaration three weeks prior to the fires that streamlines development, suspends sunshine law, and rescinds collective bargaining for certain types of workers. A piece of legislation that corporate development behemoths would pay a fortune for. I am testifying on my concerns of the governor's um, emergency proclamation that happened three weeks prior to the fire and how it suspended seven state statutes of which uh, exonerated um, everything that you guys are in charge of. To my knowledge, this was the first emergency proclamation in the country that didn't have a preceding incident. Normally it's like a hurricane, boom, we got an emergency proclamation. But this was just, from my knowledge, was just to streamline development on Maui and it is allocated all decision-making power to one person, uh, the housing officer of the governor, Nani Medeiros, who's unelected. Some locals in Lahaina believe there was something more sinister behind the fires, perhaps a deliberate plot. And while I couldn't find any evidence of such a plan, the results of the disaster play perfectly into the hands of wealthy developers who've long had their sights set on Lahaina. They already had stuff in the planning and everything passed, you know, their, their, their plans was all passed already. And we, that's, that's why everybody thinks that they, you know, they, they created this fire, they did this. Because it's kind of suspicious that our whole town had burned. How, how does a whole town burn? And like in where I live, you know, it, it, and it started from one end of the street and it wiped out our whole street. How does that, how does that happen? And then certain places, it, it burns like, like five houses, and then it like it went around that one X house, and then it goes a little bit more, and then it goes around another house. How does it do that? Is that a miracle? We don't understand that. It like like the fire picked and choose which house to burn, which house not to burn. I, I never seen fire do that before. The thing is, is we all lived it. Where were you? Normally, during a natural disaster like this. Residents are skeptical of government promises of safe environmental factors. For some people in Lahaina, it's the other way around. They've crowdfunded and hired an air quality expert because they're afraid the government will tell them that the air is unsafe when it's actually safe in order to get them off the land for development companies and real estate interests. Uh, we have some family members, I'm not going to mention any names. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're doing their own air testing in Lahaina. We, we cannot trust the government. They can say one thing, but can be another because it can drive all these Lahaina people out and try to sell their property. I'm thinking this is another way for have these people to buy their land. So that is why our family member is taking it in his own hands to make sure everywhere is safe and to let the local people know don't, don't fall for any scams. At this point, we need to take a short detour in a, into what might be called conspiracy theories. Maui locals have reason to believe that outsiders covet their land. 
So is it possible that outsiders encouraged or even participated in the start of the fire? Our minds rebel against believing that level of evil, but independent investigators examine the evidence and want answers. I was surprised to learn that whole neighborhood fires are not so unusual. The following clip is about a man very familiar with forestry who has investigated dozens of forest fires affecting homes. All right. Aloha, everyone. Michelle with Blossom Inner Wellness and StandTogetherHawaii.com. And I am so excited about interviewing Robert today. He has been, most of his life, he's been a botanist. For 48 years, he's been studying plants and trees. And I'm going to actually let him uh, give you his background. But we're going to be talking about, he's also been studying, how many how many locations have you gone to or pictures have you studied over the past, what is it, seven years? I've been to 38 fire aftermaths, mostly in California, a few in Southern Oregon, and taken 107 trips to all of them. So I've done a lot of footwork collecting evidence at every site, except perhaps three that I deemed were normal forest fires that we know of. Um, what I saw was um, something that didn't make sense to me. I saw this picture of Santa Rosa, California. Um, this came up on my computer screen because I'm looking for hikes and waterfalls and such. And this came up and yeah, all the houses are missing their white ash, but what are all the trees doing there? Many of these are pines and eucalyptus and very flammable leaves. It just made no sense to me. I've got a background of cooking on campfires for my entire adult life from sea level to 12, 13,000 feet in the Sierra. I've burned everything. And everything burns in a tiny campfire. And this is a horrific firestorm, they said. Why are all the trees still there? So it didn't work well for me. And I waited a couple months and I went up there after things died down. And I analyzed every street I could for eight hours. Nothing, I mean nothing, added up. I've never seen anything like in my life. I was, in my life, I was completely baffled. Um, when I see forest fires, the trees are burned up, the needles are gone, the twigs are gone, many of the branches are gone. Sometimes the trunk is burned down halfway or all the way to a low stump and even holes in the ground. That's the way they burn. No exception. They don't leave their needles on there. With their needles on there, how do we even call it a fire? A forest fire? The forest didn't burn. So I saw that. And uh, shortly after my... Uh, journey. I saw this picture on the internet from a, a drone, possibly. And I see these buildings, a jack-in-the-box, McDonald's, and a gas station. And they're just completely burned, leaving only metals and stone. But what I see is the trees. Uh, all three species here are in the poison oak family. Uh, Chinese pistache or pistachio, African sumac, and uh, Brazilian pepper. I'm sorry, Peruvian pepper, which is now called California pepper. All of them did not burn. And how did a fire cross a freeway? This is Highway 101 in the Santa Rosa area. You got a 200 yards of no trees before you get to these buildings, but yet they burned and nothing else. And mm. anybody who's gone to a fast food, you notice there's no wood showing. It's all plastics and metals and slate and terracotta and newer building materials. Fires don't just start on these types of buildings. But yet there's the pictures. Uh, many of the top fire people know exactly what's going on. When you don't see the forest burn, but yet houses are, 
and some of these materials don't burn, you have to ask your question, you know, what is going on here? And many of the fire captains and other workers have said, we've never seen fires like this, or the fires were so hot, we couldn't even get close to them to put them out. And they were also very hard to put out. And so over the years, I've come to different uh, conclusions. I believe most of these fires are microwave-based. They're not normal wood fires that we know of. Uh, this is in Maui now. I've taken some of the pictures off the internet here. So none of these Maui pictures are mine. Um, and I'm going to expand on every one of these pictures. And it's, this is the same stuff exactly that I've seen in California. No different. All the same uh, fire footprints. Things that don't make sense. Here, a home's on fire and nothing else. And I believe that's because of all the metals, whether they're ferrous or non-ferrous, that are in a house. These things get hit. They burn, and it's rare to see a tree burn or any plant unless it's in very close proximity to the house. Here you have, it looks like a grove of eucalyptus trees. I'm not positive on the species. The whole left, they didn't burn. Meanwhile, the house is just gone. The cars, they'll be dented up. Uh, the windows will be melted out. Now the auto glass melts approximately at 2,500 degrees. Wow. Forest fires don't get to that high. We actually think, which sounds very far-fetched, we think they're coming from satellites. Because uh, it's concentrated on an area for hours. Planes fly back and forth, and you wouldn't be able to hit at these angles. We don't think little drones are doing it, but I'm not ruling out any possibility. The hypothesis of this last clip is that fires affecting entire neighborhoods result in anomalies that require explanation beyond a wildfire. I saw a picture from Maui of two burned and melted automobiles in a vacant lot with no surrounding trees and unburned grass. I also saw cases where nothing was left but ash of three houses surrounding an untouched home. A microwave energy weapon in space seems an unlikely explanation, but government investigations are notoriously inconclusive. The current explanation for the Maui fire is brush ignited by downed electric power lines, and officials are likely to leave it at that, so citizens are likely to remain skeptical and distrust the government. Investigators should be looking at how homes in a neighborhood are connected. I can think of power lines, sewer lines, and natural gas connections. If fire can jump from building to building through any of these connections, safeguards could be put in place to prevent it. Fire victims in Maui who took refuge in the ocean also reported explosions launching fireballs and seeing gas stations exploding. Explosion of gasoline tanks or electric transformers might throw burning material to multiple homes while randomly missing others. As I was finishing this episode, Governor Josh Green of Hawaii finally appeared on media to dispel many of the rumors. He clarified the number of fatalities, saying as of today there have been a total of 115 fatalities and that the FBI has reported that 66 of our people are potentially still unaccounted for based on calls and emails they've received. He further emphasized again, the land of Lahaina is reserved for its people as they return and rebuild, and I instructed the Attorney General to impose enhanced criminal penalties, including up to a year in prison on anyone who tries to take advantage of victims by the unsolicited acquiring of property in affected areas of Maui. Regarding the right of people to go to their property to potentially salvage belongings, he said, 
Once the EPA has completed the removal of hazardous materials from the affected areas, which will take three to four months, we can begin the removal of the remaining debris. We are in partnership with FEMA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in this effort, which will take the better part of a year to complete. This was the one statement that seemed the most problematical to me. Who says that EPA employees should occupy a person's property before you've had a chance to salvage possessions? The right to inspect your land should be your right if you are willing to accept the risk of exposure to materials transformed by fire. It's a violation of property rights. Nevertheless, Governor Green's words and reassurances had to be welcome. It may be that the governor seemed to be silent for so long because of the media blackout on Maui coverage. It may also be that he's been shamed into announcing his recovery plan because of the negative coverage Hawaii has received from YouTubers and other independent media. We can only pray that the governor will defend the people of Maui and see to it that their financial hardships are overcome. Meanwhile, it's a good time to vacation in Maui to support the economy for the sake of Maui's working people. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, go out and do good. 